I love collecting and storing video games on my shelf as much as the next person, but there is more to video game preservation than just dusting off an old game box. Having the ability to actually experience old software is arguably the most important facet of computer game preservation, and our guest today heads up a team of dedicated coders, engineers and enthusiasts behind Scum VM, software designed to allow us to preserve the experience of and enjoy classic adventure games in the modern day. Please welcome to the cave, Eugene Sandalenko. Welcome, Eugene. Yeah. Hi. Nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you too, sir. Can you please kick us off by explaining just what Scum VM is for anyone who might not know? Yeah, sure. Uh, so Scum VM is uh, a program uh, which is intended to run uh, certain adventures and f since recently RPGs. So what we basically do, we take an executable of a game, then dissect it, disassemble it, understand how it works from inside, and then rewrite in a portable C++. So at some point it was running on more than 30 platforms. Uh, why at some point? Because platforms are dying. So we still have those ports, but they are not very popular. So then uh, what you do, you take uh, game assets, you replace executable with ScumVM, and then it runs uh, same or very often better than the original. Mm -hmm. We'll come on to some of those enhancements a little bit later. But if we go back to when the project began originally, um, we'll just touch on that to begin with, because you weren't there at the very beginning, were you? Um, it was a collaboration between a chap called Ludwig, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is it Strigus? Strigus, Strigus I believe. Strigus, Ludwig Strigus and Vincent Ham. So they found that they were working on a similar goal and they combined their efforts. Um, when did you personally arrive on the scene as part of the, the Scum VM project? Yeah. So the project started in 2001. Yeah, you were correct. And this is when uh, Lude or Ludwig, uh, he wanted to uh, run Monkey Island on Linux, I believe. And it was on DOS. It was not working. So he started to reverse engineer that. And in parallel, independently of him, uh, Yazar Vincent Ham, he started to do the very similar job for Monkey Island for the first one. And once uh, Lude published his first initial uh, like findings in form of ScumVM 00.1 or something like this, uh, Yazar uh, quickly found him and they joined the effort. It is how ScumVM was born. I personally joined a uh, year and a half later in 2003. And uh, why I joined and how I did, uh, I purchased a game uh, of the shelf uh, Full Throttle, LucasArts. And at the time I was running uh, FreeBSD, which is one of the Unix-like uh, operating systems. And uh, I wanted to run it. At that time, DOSBox was in a very rudimentary state, uh, was not able to run at full uh, speed. So I was Googling and I quickly found out that there is a, this project which um, supports it supports this game uh, but it was a localized version of it it was uh, in russian so once i launched it it immediately crashed so but i i was a, i'm a software developer uh, why it crashed so uh, i started to look into it and i found out that what happened 
is that the uh, localizers, the team who, who created this localization, uh, they uh, changed a little the format for the uh, font, but the original executable was forgiven for those changes, while ScumVM was ex expecting it in a, a certain format, so it crashed. I fixed that. It was like maybe 20 minutes. I submitted my patch and continued to play the game, I think. That's that's it. Mm. Because the ScumVM project is open source, so you were able to just pick out the code, have a look, and then resubmit your changes without a problem. Exactly, exactly. But then about like 20% in the game, uh, there is these uh, bike fight scenes. And then there was a big uh, like a, uh, pop-up. It was telling, oh, this part is not implemented. Okay. <laughs> and you're supposed to get the tramp out of it. Uh, and this is trampoline. So this is what's, what we are giving you. Continue uh, the game. But I wanted to have the full experience. And uh, I joined the IRC project, uh, IRC channel for the project. And I was uh, talking about, hey, I would like to do it. And uh, you know what? Uh, <laughs> team members, they told, oh, good luck. And I was not even uh, thinking, why is that? Uh, because I could tell you the subsystem which I had to reverse engineer, it was originally called insane. It is something... Uh, about in the uh, animation something something and actually uh, it took me three months every night over 12,000 lines of code it's insane really piece of code but when I once I started and was already deep into it then I realized the size of it and I, I decided not to stop so this is how it started for me and then continued um, then later in 2004, I became one of the project co-leaders. At the time, there were three of us. One started to be defunct, but with uh, Max, uh, we, we we were co-leading like for five years or more. I don't remember exactly how much. Mm -hmm. So you, you, what brought you into it then was the game um, Full Throttle that you mentioned there. Did you, in, did you still enjoy the game after three months of coding to, to get that working? Yeah. Yes, yes. Excellent. And it was, yeah. So if I were to ask you which was your favorite classic adventure game of all time, would you be able to answer that? Mm, my, yes, I had. I used to have uh, like uh, three goals, which I liked a lot. And they were achieved at this moment. Uh, one of them is uh, the Neverhood. Oh, yes, that's the claymation style one. Very exactly. nice, yeah. Second one is very obscure game, and uh, I spent a couple of years reverse engineering it. It's called Full Pipe. It's come from one of the Russian animators, but it has no speech, and it's like uh, okay. The logo, one of the logos of the game is uh, the glass of vodka, which is situated on top of a. Uh, uh, marijuana leaves okay. so this is about it because when you look at it if you go to youtube it's like a super trippy but uh, the uh, game itself is, is is brilliant really i highly recommend it and a third goal and i was uh, i was thinking that it, I, we would never do it because there was many attempts of, of tackle it but it's so huge blade runner oh yes and that that's uh from what I've read, that's been a huge project for you to undertake. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I would like to come back to Blade Runner a little bit later, but just sticking to the fundamentals of Scum VM, it's reached adulthood now, 2001, so it's 18 years old now, a little mm-hmm. bit older. Um, and it was originally focused on those LucasArts games, so you've already mentioned that it progressed to other engines. How did that evolution happen? What did we move on to next? <laughs> Uh, a lot of people, uh, they have this concept, of course, it comes, uh, also comes from the name Scum VM, because Scum is originally the uh, script creation utility for Maniac Mansion. This is the name. Uh, I mentioned to you that in 2001, the project was incepted. But in 2002, very soon, we had another engine added to the game, which was for the Simon the Sorcerer. It was added by Lude himself also. So it was right away, I believe it was uh, ScumVM version 0.2. Okay, so Zero. very very early on in its life. Super yeah. early, right. And then we started to um, next engines which were added were from the uh, Revolution Software, a uh, British company. It was uh, Beneath a Steel Sky and then later, um, how it's called? I forgot. Broken Sword or Lure of the Temptress. Uh, Lure of the Temptress. Yeah. Uh, we we had the we had the pleasure just last week of speaking to Tony Warner of Revolution Software here on the show, uh, and he said that they made Beneath the Steel Sky and Lure of the Temptress open source and worked with your team to allow ScumVM to make it work well. That all sounds very amicable. Um, so yeah, sorry. Carry on. So you did Revolution Software's games, and then where did you yeah. progress from there next? And this is where I I joined uh, about this time uh, the project. Uh, one of the next big engines which I uh, added to the uh, to this, and it came like I didn't do it by myself. One of the, my uh, also beloved games is Goblins. Uh, there is Goblin series, and just one day I opened my mailbox, and there was an email from somebody I don't know who is that. And that uh, somebody was telling about for his friend. It was not even direct. And he thought, my friend, he spent uh, last summer of reverse engineering goblins. Here is the working engine for you. <laughs> Use it. <laughs> and this is where how we started. And uh, Dr. McCoy, it's a Nick, and Sven Hesse, he started and he added and enhanced it to all the goblins one, two, three, and uh, and other games like even Urban uh, Runner, which is 16-bit uh, engine. Which was I, th- I believe it was the first 16-bit game, like uh, full uh, high color, you know, that palette. Then 256, and then 16-bit, and then goes true color. So it was the first game, and uh, even at that time, ScumVM couldn't run it. So we had to record videos for the, um, 256 colors. It was a big subsystem for that. We decommissioned it since that because now ScumVM supports true color and high color. Excellent, excellent. So I, I mentioned a little bit earlier Revolution Software opening the software up to help you. Is it common for you to get access to these games, the source code of these games, or... Are you sort of semi-blind having to reverse engineer most of the games and the engines? I was uh, some time ago counting that uh, at some, at least at some point in time, about one third 
uh, of engines, and we have over 70 at this moment, came from the original source code. Uh, it was coming uh, from uh, several sources, but primarily from the, uh, sometimes uh, they were coming from original uh, developers, uh, like it was with Revolution Software, or like it was with Adventure Soft later, or uh, as it was with Joe Pierce and his Inherit the Earth and Labyrinth games. Uh, no, uh, time, Labyrinth of Time, this is the full name of the game. Uh, but uh, sometimes, uh, a number of times, it's come uh, from the uh, IP right owners. So, you know, some companies go bankrupt, and then later another companies acquire assets, and they would like to put the game, let's say, on GOG, good old games. And this is where they approach us and they, hey, guys, here is the source code, uh, very often under NDA. Uh, for instance, it was uh, the case with Tony uh, uh, Engine. It was the case uh, with, um, what else? I, know, oh, I don't I know, remember. I know Blade Runner is packaged up and on good old games. So is that a similar situation? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. uh, we we released the game. We reverse engineered it fully, and then uh, out of blue, uh, Good Old Games. Uh, well, we have collaborations uh, for uh, for a while. They using us, but they just came us and they said, "Hey guys, we secure the rights. Uh, we would like to use ScumVM as with many other games. Would you like to help us with uh, check our packaging? Uh, give us uh, your feedback." how it is before we go and put it online. So this is how it was. And later we even provided them with uh, better scans for the original documentation. So they updated it and it was, and this is how it was. Uh, because as we know, uh, source code for the Blender Runner was lost forever. So the only implementation which we have is ScumVM, but since it is based on reverse engineering, uh, it's just uh, like one-to-one -one with bug fixes and now with some of the enhancements as well. Mm, because I understand that in reverse engineering Blade Runner, you found certain things which weren't implemented in the game or weren't triggered, so you were able to add some extra Yes, yeah. there were dialogues, scenes, animations, which were sitting in the game assets, but they were not uh, called from the game scripts. And uh, it, it was just uh, like logically where it makes sense. It is all the, how to say, guess work, not based on anything. Also, uh, I believe that some of couple of the original developers or uh, directors where since that uh, contacting us and they provided some additional insights of it, but it was just, uh, how to say, unofficial. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the beauty of ScumVM is that it's this virtual machine that can run on lots and lots of different platforms. Uh, I know I've used it on everything from, I think I used it on Windows CE once a long time ago, um, used it on Windows on my netbook, used it on my tablet. Um, it, it's just wonderful to, to use it on these devices especially the tablet i find the the tablet um it really works with a lot of these point and click adventure games it's a really good way of playing it what are some of the other enhancements and things that have come from scum vm now with these older games um you've got things like graphical enhancements and filters don't you yes uh, those are coming for free like to every engine which we support because they are built in 
then uh, what we do, uh, for instance, for some some engines, it is uh, possible to use like we, we can switch easily. Uh, we have emulators of the sounds cards, and it is possible to switch uh, sometimes uh, like unorthodox uh, combinations if there is a data. Uh, like for instance, sometimes they let's say uh, release a version of the game for Amiga, but it still has DOS soundtrack, so you can switch those. Of course, we do bug fixing. Uh, one of the primarily thing which goes straight away uh, enhancing or increasing number of save games, and then goes tons of uh, bug fixes, fixes for engines, fixes for the scripts, especially for the Sierra games. They are basically infested with, with bugs. And you know that there were many, many re-releases. We support all of them and we uh, fix uh, apply fixes like even to the worst one to make it the best or better. And uh, sometimes uh, we also Mm, uh, very often, for instance, we have our own enhanced uh, save format. So in besides just the textual description, there is always screenshot associated with it. And uh, another uh, portion of our enhancement is translation effort. So number of games were translated, translated by different translation groups. Uh, we developed tooling for that. At this moment, uh, we are finishing translation into English of a Polish game, which is called uh, Galador or Prince um, and the and the Beggar. It's called this. Sergeant in in torch, uh, and um, recent super recent uh, tendency is to add subtitles for Blade Runner. One of those and. Even more recent, uh, which is sits now in development uh, three, not yet released, uh, text-to-speech support. Since we have this enhanced uh, added during the last uh, Google Summer of Code, now we started to do, and the the work is done beautifully. So people just turn it in, and it's there. So then you can have narrative for all the in-game in text for many games. Yeah, so you can turn those old text-only games into talky, exactly. click adventure yes. games. Fantastic. So um, in creating all of these engines, have you run into any resistance or, or legal issues um, as part of the process? Yes, we did. And it was especially at the beginning of the project. Uh, we had two two times of uh, severe cease and desist action from LucasArts. Uh, because they were thinking that we are uh, uh, pirating their games. But from the very beginning uh, of the project, and it was causing a lot of misunderstanding from many users, especially in the past, they uh, claimed that there is this abandoned wear, so-called, because but legally there is no such, uh, such concept. Copyrights last Mickey Mouse law is 85 years. Uh, so it is not possible to claim that this is abandoned. Uh, so it is not pos not uh, po not legal to download it from somewhere. So go in the past, go to eBay, buy it. But these days, it's much easier. Good old uh, good old games, um, then and a couple of others in Steam. Uh, so this is why when uh, when the lawyers of LucasArts were sending us those season disease letters. Uh, they even tried to go 
to proceed with it, uh, but we did nothing wrong. And after our simple questions, and also at the second time we were we had lawyers involved, uh, they had no proofs, and they just okay, we leave, we leave you uh, alone. Right. So they thought they thought yes. they could try to scare you at first. Yeah. Uh, but what happened since that? It's like marvelous, and it, we would never even imagine this, because since um, Disney acquired LucasArts, they started to publish on Steam games with ScumVM bundled. Okay. So <laughs> we see that they acknowledge it. And the second source is that maybe you were aware, but Ron Gilbert, at some point he departed uh, from LucasArts and he established his own company, Humongous Entertainment, for children's games. That went uh, Infogrames, then Atari, then finally bankrupt. And at this moment, uh, their uh, intellectual property is uh, split between three companies. But all three companies are collaborating with us, oh, except one, sorry. So uh, all the games uh, for the uh, educational games like Pot uh, Pot, Freddy Fish, they went to one party. Then all backyard sports games went to another party. And uh, Moonbase Commander went to third one. And the uh, gentlemen uh, which are running Freddy Fish, Pot Pot, Pajama Sam, they started to collaborate with us the very first time, from the very beginning. And I have uh, game assets from that and original source code, basically. It's uh, inherited from LucasArts. Same thing, uh, and it is also uh, came to us thanks to good old, good old games, because I noticed that Moonbase Commander, they put it on sale. And since we have relationship with him, I uh, with them, I asked, "Hey, is it possible us for us to just to, to talk to the IP right owners?" They connected us, and these guys they provided us our NDA full source and game assets, very interesting stuff. Very uh, unfortunately NDA, but we are working on it, and we are working on uh, network support. So maybe sometimes in the future we'll be there. Unfortunately, I have no contacts for uh, the guy from the guys from the backyard sports. And a few of the titles, uh, those titles are not supported because they have still not um, disassembled big chunks of uh, complex code with floating point, very, very like uh, complex um, stuff. So maybe if somebody will see this, your podcast and will try to do it, we will do this work out of love. They can then put it in for sale because then it will be working on more than software, on, on modern operating system, Windows, Linux, whenever they want. So are there any titles in particular from that sports game oh, section? Yes. Which, like, which ones would you like to get access to? Uh, Backyard Soccer. Backyard it's Soccer. Not, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. Backyard Soccer 2000. This is also, and Backyard Basketball, those three games. Uh, they are not supported because others were, uh, they, they were supported. They have much less of this code. Okay, right. If you're watching this and you have any connection whatsoever to those games, then please do get in touch. And these are sports games that you're mentioning. So this is drifting from the adventure game side of things. So what's the thinking behind that? Is it quite sort of free and open to to, to add these new games to the engine? Or is there a group that has to approve what gets put into the engine? How does it work? Uh, not really. Uh, so we were always about adventures for a long while. and But there was one exception. 
if a particular engine and uh, engine which is used for many games and many of them were pretty universal and if on top of this engine uh, there are built non-adventures they were still accepted for instance uh, for sierra agi this is early one uh, there is fun made tetris Okay. <laughs> which is which is supported by Scum VM because it's the same engine. There is the only uh, thing, the only effort for us to add this game was to provide the checksum for detecting it, and that's it. It works. And similar situation was the, with this, but uh, particularly for Legend of Kirandia, uh, for this engine, uh, Eye of Beholder, this excellent RPG, was built on top of it. Then uh, there was a couple of others. So at some point, uh, and also we ran out of low-hanging fruits for adventure games. And this is uh, why, ah, and another reason, uh, scumvm.miscellanea, this project was spawned, which supports non-adventures, and it can, can uh, have RPGs. And it was run by some of the scumvm team members. So at some point we decided, okay, Let's allow, because it's so close, many of those games, they have a very uh, good uh, plot by themselves. It's not just like an action game, very close by spirit to adventures. And this is why. So with ScumVM, um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had to deal with then? Have there been any major hurdles that spring to mind in the project? Um, specifically, maybe thinking about the engines that you've had to deal with? Um, or beyond that, also managing the team. We had uh, people issues uh, always, you know, uh, since we are all volunteers, it is you cannot force people to do and sometimes there is a tension because uh, we uh, we met with each other, some of us, but uh, for the majority, and if you talk about the whole connections, uh, the whole representation is just this, uh, how to say, uh, bright dots which go into um, into words and and symbols. This is it. And when you speak over over this, you can know it is difficult to pass the uh, your uh, like uh, body language, uh, tone of voice, what you mean to say. So sometimes there is disagreements, tensions. Uh, we had several. Mm, I would say several waves of those, sometimes not very nice, as I would even call those as dramas. We survived those. Uh, then, of course, technical difficulties. Uh, for instance, till this moment, till this moment, it's about maybe eight years or so, uh, we have this engine, uh, Last e Express. It it is at the about ninety five percent being finished. Sits in the tree. Is this Just is this the, the one with the really beautiful animation? The last experience. Exactly. Yes, yeah. Exactly. It works. The game is completable, but with major glitches here and there. But just the developer who was doing it, uh, he lost interest. He left the project, and the engine sits in limbo. Uh, and this is like one of those challenges. We have a number of those half-baked engines. We, try, we at least try to keep track of those on our wiki. So if somebody would like to start an engine, first look there before 
maybe repeating it, it's better maybe to pick up somebody's work and finish because very often it is associated with disassembled code, half disassembled, so you can you are not starting from the scratch. So those are, uh, but the most painful, I would say, difficulties which we have at this moment, and maybe this is also my tapping into your <laughs> podcast, if any of the Android or iOS developers is listening to it and they would like to join our quite successful open source project. Effort is not going to be significant because the port do exist, but they wrote. For instance, we have problems on running on Android 9, Android 10. Uh, we have problems, uh, slight problems almost fixed on Android 7, but we have no person with a deep knowledge of the platform. Somebody with deep knowledge, I have like uh, I have sense. Maybe it is just a matter of a couple of weeks for uh, sorry, maybe a couple of weeks of work for somebody who knows this stuff. And similar situation with iOS, we don't have Porter for over mm, seven years at this moment. And we just going by inertia, and we had sometimes super. Easy to fix. I remember we had a couple of the external patches like at in uh, iOS um, 7 or 8, iOS 8, they broke uh, the keyboards API, so ScanVM stopped to work. So it was just one liner coming from a, a third party just uh, our through our uh, GitHub, uh, but it took, came like two years later <laughs> because we don't have, don't have a porter. So if we have it, Sorry, if somebody hears it and they would like to come and help, uh, please, it would be so great, especially for Android people, sometimes even angry on us. Hey, when 2.1 is going to be released, we don't know. We, ha we don't have this. Yeah, yeah, right. Please do. Please do get in touch if you have uh, iOS and Android experience, because as I mentioned earlier, playing these things on a tablet is 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 my favorite way to use ScumVM. Um, so I'd love it to be brought up to date. Absolutely. Um, I've got a couple of questions from viewers here. Um, the first one is from Tim. Um, he says, I'll just read it outright. He says, I would like to know how much work is it to keep the engine so flexible? ScumVM versions are on all sorts of platforms. And I wonder if there was always, if, if that was always the goal, for example, is performance an ongoing consideration to allow the engine to run on more limited hardware? So I guess he's asking, would you rather have an accurate recreation with sacrifices to speed on a more limited device or are you always is speed more important where's where's the balance is it all about accuracy is it just about a usable experience it it's a very good question uh, but uh, part of it implies <laughs> that ScumVM is an emulator. It is not uh, true true yes <laughs> uh, so speaking of the uh, requirements for the hardware ScumVM some of the ports which uh, ScanVM runs on, of course, not all engines, are 33 megahertz. Right, okay. The One of the most limited ports, Nintendo double screen, with two megabytes of RAM, and it runs there. Of course, early games, because ScanVM is a replacement for the original engine and many games were written with the mindset of the uh, computer of the computing power of 80s 90s so they are 
relatively low in the uh, resource um, requirements. And since we are, and so the answer, the first part, we always try to do the phase four recreation first time. Even sometimes when, for instance, we are, uh, we see that some critical bug, but this bug became already part of the, let's say, game experience, then we turn it into an option. So then you can have original or not. At some point, I kind of uh, abandoned this work for a while, but uh, about 10 years ago, I was even uh, working on adding CGA and Hercules uh, like rendering so that because some of the people they were playing those games on those old monitors and then they can just faithfully have the same experience of course they would uh, probably out of nostalgia play for five minutes uh, just cry a little bit and then switch <laughs> to VGA but this is the purpose is there and this is why we try to support all the kind of the um uh, sound cards, even PC speaker, while you can have MT32 with all, with all the, of this glory uh, of the music, etc. Still, in order to have this, uh, we love the games and we would like uh, have um, as faithful recreation as possible. And so far, uh, there was not a single game which was CPU hungry or something. Uh, it could be happen at the early stages of development, but there's a bug then to go and fix it. So this, and this is why it runs everywhere. The most impressive port, uh, my personal evaluation of this, this is a port for Nintendo 64. Okay. So you can put some VM on cartridge and play full throttle. It seems it's like <laughs> mind blowing. Oh, fantastic. That was actually the next question from a viewer called Chris. He wanted to know what was the most impressive port. So there we go. Nintendo 64. Wow. Yes. Uh, but one of the uh, most nasty ports for us was the port for Palm OS. Oh, okay. The reason for that is the code limitation. It has the limitation for the segment code maximum 64 kilobytes. So in uh, now the platform is long defunct and we killed the the support for it. We we don't do it, but it was uh, even requiring us sometimes to split our uh, like the full throttle, which I already mentioned. I had to split it into smaller pieces because it didn't fit. So that was and if you remember, it was two hundred fifty six by two hundred fifty six. Sometimes with 16 colors, oh, it's going to be a run there. So yeah, pretty effective. I would like to refer to the brilliancy of the original architecture, which was laid uh, by Lude and, and Yazer, because they created this thing, which is called all system. It's a hardware abstraction level. So uh, what is happening? So ScumVM is then split into major, you can say, three parts. One of them is backends, which knows about specifics of a certain platform. And it is pretty simple. And then um, the, as such, it, is, it takes maybe like two weeks of evenings to be ported to a new platform, completely new from the scratch. And then all the engines, they are based on these systems. So they don't, they don't know about hardware at all. 
And then there is a middleware code, like uh, decoders for the videos, for audios, uh, and then like simple arithmetic functions and everything, data structures. So then what does it mean? If you take ScumVM, spend, take a new platform, spend a couple of weeks, then you, have a pla- then you have a new port and all the games are working automatically for yourself. And vice versa, when you dump into it another engine, it will work automatically on all the platforms. Of course, there are some, sometimes there are restrictions because some platforms may have a small physical screen resolution, so you cannot run higher games or some uh, smaller device have only uh, eight bit per uh, per pixel colors, but that's, you know it, when you know it's, it's just limitation of your platform. So this is how it works. So let's uh, talk about the future of ScumVM then. Um, how do you see it moving forward? What uh, additional titles might we see, platforms supported? Uh, one of the big uh, projects which is ongoing at this moment, Paul, is working on the Dream Master, his link. Uh, he is working on uh, um, um, say interactive fiction, text-only adventures. And it's very, uh, very big project. At this moment, it already grew uh, to the biggest one. So this is a big project because uh, what, what what is happening with, within a complete the cycle, coming from the very, very beginning, from the earliest adventures. And also we expect uh, additional uh, RPG, like Ultima games, are being worked on at this moment. Fantastic. Yes. Have you, have you had the the source code for that and help from no. the likes of Richard Garriott and or, no, no, no. Uh, but uh, there are several uh, open source projects which we are actually merging in, similarly to how we merged with Free SCI for Sierra SCI games uh, a while ago. Mm-hmm. Would that be the the Exalt engine? Is that who you're working with, or a different one? I believe Exalt will will, will probably come later but it's new v or how it's called oh, i don't know yes, how to UV. pronounce it that's a very nice one actually because i i tried that recently and it allows you to merge the speech from the fm towns version of ultima with the pc version and and get a really nice joined up experience mm-hmm. yeah oh, that would be nice to see as part of scum vm yeah yes so this is coming excellent and for the platforms well the latest uh, addition was nintendo switch of obviously unofficial because Nintendo is uh, it's just, there is a little problem also for the current IP rights owners uh, because they would like to release some of the titles on ScumVM on Nintendo Switch but they can't. So to to use it on a Switch, do you need to essentially kind of jailbreak the Switch? Do you to get yes ScumVM you 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 need to you need to uh, so basically people are seeking a way of uh, putting it officially in the store. And they will not be able to do it with ScumVM. But then you just, uh, you can do it on Switch now. You jailbreak, put ScumVM there, put game data in play. And the release has is there already, downloadable. So, I mean, you must have a really intimate knowledge of the various adventure game engines, all of their components within, whether it be the musical score system, the inventory system, or whatever it is from all of those engines. What are some of the most impressive things that you found in these engines? Okay. There was there was a number of really really beautiful marvels. For instance, uh, Discworld, Discworld engine, they are using so-called coal routines. Uh, 
So it creates basically a virtual multi-threading for all the game scripts. And as a result, NPCs, non-playable characters, they live their own life completely in parallel. And it's amazing, like impressive subsystem, which is there like, wow. Uh, but it's difficult to develop for. Uh, then uh, Vintermute, it's really nice and open, uh, open platform. It was engine which was uh, created and many uh, good um, modern titles were based on it. So this is was also really nice and very, very advanced because you can do uh, like alpha blending, all of this smoothness, uh, whistle, bells and whistle, which is uh, create, help you to create modern game with high resolution. Some of the games are like really big, like 16 by 12, uh, 1600 by 1200. Uh, so this is what I was, what I would mention. And then, of course, in regards of music, everybody goes digital these days. So maybe it's not re not relevant, but if relevant, then, of course, MT32, uh, when you're talking about MIDI, uh, this comes there. And that's it. In preparation for our chat, I, uh, I picked out Rama, which is a game I've got on the shelf, which I haven't played yet. Um, I don't know if it's any good, but I noticed that the you support the engine um, and I love the Rama book so much I had to pick it up one day so I'm going to try that um, one thing I didn't see on your list are the Dynamics games supported games like I've got Heart of China here are they supported? No the reason the reason for that because they are so-called hard-coded so instead of creating a nice VSVM all the scripts like middle-level language like C or maybe Pascal, and they are very difficult and very time-consuming to disassemble for us. I think it will take like a couple of years per game. Oh, wow. Okay, so you can't just do the one game and then have... the. I think there were three or four that used a similar engine, but from the sounds of it, they were probably coded individually. Yes, so probably there is a small, like, say, a core, a kernel for this, like, with manipulating, but then all of the, the game logic with every would be just a piece of code which needs to be reversed, reversed, reversed. Um, okay, so uh, we're pretty much at the end now. Um, so um, how can anyone who's watching support this VM project and find out more, Eugene? The primary support, which would be super great for us, is development, of course. So if you know how to code, please do. Please join us. Um, even if you can do some little things, that would be helpful. Another thing is that we have an effort in translations or writing documentation, which is sometimes behind because, again, we either do the coding or write documentation. You cannot do uh, at the same time. So even if you are not a developer, you can join and you can help. Uh, second, uh, third part, uh, which would be more challenging, but if in case you have access to the source codes of the games or you know somebody who has it, that would be also helpful because then uh, we would, uh, sometimes we were working on really horrible titles just because we had the source code. Uh, and some people do love, love those titles like... Uh, 
uh, engine was was terrible, <laughs> super terrible, but it works much better than the original now in ScumVM. So that would be the third one. And of course, I mean, if you, no, I, I would say that we need money. Uh, but anyway, PayPal button is always there. So if you feel grateful, you can you can do something like uh, because for instance for even GitHub we pay twenty five dollars every month so that could also Anything help, help sometimes. Wonderful, wonderful. And what about for you, Eugene? Do you have any projects aside from ScumVM that you want to share with us, or is that does that take up most of your time? No, it is just my work and this project, and then I didn't have energy for it. Oh well, I used to no actually. Uh, I just uh, don't have enough time, but uh, like three years ago, I was uh, very active in open street map community because I love the game. I was in developing some tooling and I was mapping a lot by myself. Uh, so this is where I put, I still have some code on GitHub. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Eugene, for your work and to the ScumVM team, past, present and future, in helping to keep those old classics alive. We really appreciate the work that you all do. And thank you very much for your time today, sir. Thank you and have a good day.